You're listening to Three Valleys Radio. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no Welcome to our In Conversation programme, featuring sporting heroes from the world of sport in general and past and present Yeovatown players and supporters. And the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck. It's your chance to find out what makes these sporting heroes tick. And also, we get a feel for their musical preferences. To take you out of this place, someone you can lend a hand in return for grace. It's a beautiful So sit back and enjoy as Three Valleys Radio brings you the best in local sport. Good evening and welcome to the show. I'm delighted to say our guest tonight is none other than Mickey Spencer, but he's over in Geneva, would you believe? Good afternoon, Mickey. What's the weather like in Geneva today? Um, it's a little bit chill. Um, you know, we're just coming to the end of the ski season. And, um, and obviously, with this uh, health crisis, um, everything's been shut down a bit prematurely. But other than that, um, keeping well and uh, keeping active. Oh, that's what we want to hear, and you're keeping well. But um, it's it's quite an honour to speak to somebody who's made 278 appearances, and I gather you're one of only six people that have scored over 100 goals for Yeovertown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, um, it's always an honour. I mean, I think uh, the history books always, you know, tell the truth of what's really happened, and, um, um, and, and you know, it's there in the archives, and it's... Uh, you know, you can't contest it. You can't, you know, that was as as good as I got or as bad as I got, really. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you started your career off though up at Bury, is that right? Yes, um, I got um, poached away from being a, a gas fitter at Manchester Gas Fitters, and um, as an as an apprentice footballer, and um, and I joined I joined Bury. Yeah, you know, at a young age. And, um, and then you moved on, and, and I, I'm, you'd be surprised the amount of or the lack of history that's uh, chronicled on the internet about you. So I've, I've struggled to a certain degree to find out exactly what was what because I wasn't quite switched on to Yeovil in those years. But um, you, you you ended up in the army team, I gather. Yeah, well, my football career came to an abrupt end at Bury. Um, I was a little bit too young and naive, and so then I decided. I wanted to do something. It was quite disappointing being told you, you your contract's not going to be renewed. So uh, I somehow wandered into the army recruitment area, and they and they recruited us in into into the army. Okay, and and you started to um, forge a bit of um, a relationship with Guy Whittingham in the army, yeah? 
Yeah, but that was probably um, after a couple of three years. I, I I got back into the army. I was a physical training instructor in the army, and then I got promoted and moved to the same base as uh, Guy Whittingham. And uh, a lot of people don't realise this: is that Guy had only just started playing football, having taken too many injuries from rugby. Mm-hmm. So. Um, um, I was a sergeant in the gymnasium. He was one of my corporals. And I think, you know, the the in-between matches and the, the talks after matches helped us to gain a real good understanding of what the other player was looking to do. And um, and and also, you know, the history shows we had a, a phenomenal um, sort of par- partnership. So at this particular time then, you were still just, just the army team. Um, Yeovil hadn't come onto the scene yet. They hadn't come on to the scene yet. I was at Wokenham Town. I was playing at Wokenham Town um, uh, because I was uh, originally I was near there, and I was quite happy with it. You know, um, being in the army, you couldn't sign a long-term contract, so you're on a week-by-week basis, and so that was fine. Um, Yeovil only came onto the the map really when when uh, Guy joined him. and he was struggling to find a partner. You know, the the, the guys there. You know, hadn't quite gelled with um, the manager Brian Hall. Um, Brian Hall said, "Do you know anyone else that you you know you might know who could play?" And he says, "I play up front with a guy called Mickey who plays at Wokenham Town." Brian knew of me, but he didn't think I was going to want to move because I'd been there sort of five uh, five seasons at uh, Wokenham Town, and I, I, as it shows, I, I don't like moving. I, I like to just play good standard football um, on a consistent basis, and so. Um, that's how that came about. Um, I came down to Yeovil. I remember my first uh, trip down there, and I thought I'd gone to the back of beyond. Uh, <laughs> they'd not even built that a the A303 yet, and so it took you forever. It was mm. like a, it was like a caravan car park. I remember uh, <laughs> dr- uh, driving to Yeovil, thinking, "How they? How do you actually get to play football here?" And then, you know, the infamous uh, sloping pitch. I thought maybe it's not for me, but. Um, Obviously, it was I had a great conversation with um, you know um, Brian Brian Hall, and um, um, we said let's try it, and uh, we had a six-week agreement to see whether I liked it or whether they liked me, and um, it just went from there really. Okay, it's time for the first of Mickey's choice of records, and in this case, it's called "A Lovely Day" uh, by Bill Withers, who sadly passed away last week. <laughs> When I wake up in the morning, love And the sunlight hurts my eyes And something without warning, love Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's alright with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be A lovely day Yeah. 
lies ahead of me Seemed impossible to face When someone else instead of me Always seems to know the way Then I look at you And the world's all right with me And I know it's gonna be a lovely And when someone else instead of me Always seems to know the way Then I look at you And the world's alright with me I just wanna look at you And I know it's gonna be there and lovely day your, your time at Yeovil started obviously and down at the old Hewish ground rather than the new Hewish ground um, and yeah. as you mentioned there the old slope now I, I was reading up on some stuff that I did find about you but apparently you guys sort of really went out of your way to make sure you took full advantage of the slope against other teams oh yeah I mean it was it was once you got used to the slope it was amazing because um anything that you kicked to the top side of the slope was never going to go out of play even if it, it looked like it was going to go 10 yards out of play if it bounced on the pitch it was going to stay in play and so you used to just chase it and um, opposing teams would slow down thinking well that's rolling out and then all of a sudden you'd find yourself 10 yards clear of them and you know with the ball still in play mm. um, and and likewise Whenever you 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 crossed the ball from the the bottom of the hill, it always looked higher than what it was, and so the keepers would find themselves, uh, you know, um, 
lower than what it was, sorry, and the, the keepers would find themselves going underneath the ball yeah. so it, as it rose. And so you just sort of let them run underneath the ball and, you, and then you'd go and head it in on a pat stick. And uh, So there was definitely one or two goals advantages um, just playing at the old Hewish. Now, I've got some notes down here that at, at some stage that um, Wokingham beat Yeovil 3-2. No, sorry, 3-0. And that, that was what prompted Brian Hall to come in and try and sign you. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. I played. Um, I actually, Yeovil played um, uh, Wokingham Town, and uh, there was like players like Gary Donnellan and stuff like that. And they were like the big dogs. Yeovil were, you know, uh, renowned to being the big dogs. And I played against them, and uh, the two hardened uh, Yeovil Town supporters. Uh, Jill and Keith Evans, who lived in Bratnell, like you know, across the away from Wokingham Town, and uh, they were a fantastic couple. And they used to travel on our bus to the Yeovil games at Yeovil. Um, but they were such uh, lovely people. So when we played against them, they said, "Oh, you're going to get beat." And I always remember they were uh, hard fought games. But I scored. I think I, I don't even know what I can't remember exactly how many I scored, but I, I do know that um, the biggest compliment I got is that half the Oval team were trying to take my legs out. You know, they said <laughs> kick that guy down because I was just running amok amongst the the Oval defence. And so, yes, I was um, when I joined Oval, they were all sort of thankful that they hadn't broken my legs. <laughs> <laughs> what league were Oval in when you joined up then? It was the Isthmian Premier League. Right. Right, and that's, uh, when I, that's when I played um, against Yeovil, and they obviously went into the conference, and then I joined them the the following season. And and uh, you know, amongst uh, can you name some of the your teammates? I know Mark Shaw was one of them, wasn't he? Mark Shaw joined after, but it was like um, uh, Jimmy Quinn, um, Gary Donnellan, Andy Wallace, Neil Cordyce. You know, um, they were really Tib Lowe. Um, was a, a, a phenomenal player, Mr. Technician, we called him. Um, yeah, but, you know, there were some great, great uh, players there that, you know, right down the spine of the team um, that would have done well in any team. And, uh, you know, um, Neil Cordyce was a, a utility man that was playing anywhere and and he, he, was, he was such a respected player that if he said... Monday was Tuesday. Everyone just agreed, just to make sure we didn't get him angry. You know. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. <coughs> but um, yeah, so a, another one that, that you played with was Steve Russell, because Steve's been coming on our. We'd be doing a podcast on Three Valleys Radio, and Steve's uh, been coming on there, so he's given me a little bit of dirt on you. So look out for this one in a minute. Apparently, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so Steve. Steve was um, he was an ex policeman, so we had a we had a that sort of disciplinary background, and you know we're good. F- foot soldiers and it was one of the things that Brian Hall tried to do he says he didn't try and pick players he tried to pick you know players with character because he says in a cold winter's day playing up at Boston you know um, having done a four hour trip you needed real characters and it was very true and so you know Steve Rutter was another one he was a taskmaster he was he was almost um, and Thorpe as well you know these are guys these are guys that would play consistently at uh, any level and you knew that you were always going to get um, 100% from them and um, they were they were great in the changing room you know um, we not all of us always got on off the pitch but on the pitch we were you know we were um, as tight a unit as I'd ever come across more music now and this time it's Michael Jackson and Man in the Middle
Michael Jackson there and Man in the Middle. Now, Steve was telling me about a goal or a missed goal, an absolute sitter in the FA Cup against Hereford. I've got to remind you of this, apparently. Well, that was one of my deliberate misses. (laughs) Yeah. Because because without these uh, interventions, you know, we were we were we were romping them, and we'd had a set play, um, and the set play was uh, Willow would go to the front stick, I'd peel off to the back stick, he'd flick it on because he could just rise like an eagle. He was only about five foot ten, but he, he had a jump of someone who was about six foot seven. Yeah. Um, anyway, he flicks it on. I'm on the back stick. I'm actually celebrating before I've got to the ball because I can see the post is inside me, so I'm, all I've got to do is just hit the target. And even at the time when I hit it, I thought, I'm just waiting for the net to, to, to ripple. Yeah. And for whatever reason, uh, I can only assume that the goal moved because it was, it was unexplained. I couldn't explain it. Um, but as fate would have it, we would go up to Hereford and probably have you know the, the best game, um, best you know, win um, uh, that saved the club and, uh, you know, Coatsy, Neil Coates scored this goal that seemed to take about half an hour for him to score. But the celebration on the way back, um, I think most of the team lost their voice on the way back, you know, (laughs) through the singing. And so I've got to take some credit for that miss because we wouldn't have had that Hereford um, return game, which was which lined us up for the the infamous um, Arsenal game, which is... uh, you know, another memorable time. Um, well, but tell Steve Franks, but um, he was, he, and, and I also remind him that he was never close enough to the goals to miss. So that he was, all, he was, you know, he, he wouldn't know what that was like. Well, of course, uh, goal, goal posts do have a habit of missing in, in even in modern day football, as we all know. And, uh, you know, yeah. certainly there's, there's a few instances where the goals have moved. And I'm surprised they haven't got sort of VAR sort of latched onto that bit of it. But um, yeah. Steve was saying that, you know, he, he, he called you a lazy player because he said you just used to hang around the goal like Jimmy Greaves how would you answer that one Steve would have thought that because he was so slow in moving that by the time I'd done two or three runs he didn't know that I'd gone so yes he was he could never keep quite track with me and then um, I was so lazy that sometimes even our sprint training I would have to run backwards just so he could keep up with me so um I can understand that he couldn't understand how somebody could move so quick when he struggled with now, that mobility. When Yeovil moved to um, uh, Hewish Park, um, there's this story about you were injured at the time. Um, you, you injured your foot, apparently, and you rolled up at the ground uh, for the first game on, on the new pitch uh, on crutches. Is that right? Yeah, um, I'd actually broken my foot in a pre-season friendly against Farnborough. Yeah. And... Um, and uh, I didn't think I was going to be able to play. And um, um, Brian Hall was—he was a tactician, and he always liked to strategize. And he—he—he he, he, he actually came to my house at the time and, and just said, "Listen, you know, um, the the attitude and the the fans need to be behind the club. It was the first game at the new stadium, and obviously I was the the main striker. And he just said, we 'We've got to get you started, even if you can only do 30 minutes and come off injured. You know, we need to have you on that pitch to start.'" Otherwise, just the 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 confidence and the the spirits of the the team will you know um, would be down and and also because of that strong spine of the team, Steve Rutter, Andy Wallace, Cordyce, there was certain players that you always wanted in your starting eleven, and I was one of them. Mm. So I had to work with um, the physio at the time, which was a guy called Duncan Russell, who's passed now, and um, but he he did a medical job with me because uh, we were on eye briefing um, for. 
something like 48 hours before my foot was elevated. I was getting all the fluid moving out of my, my broken foot so it, it didn't swell anymore so I could keep the mobility. And then I had to strap it up. And so on the day of the game, um, I came on crutches, foot was strapped up, elevated. I didn't do any pre-match warm-up. I had to just keep it elevated until the whistle went, put my boot on and just went out without any warm-up. And, um, and that is how we started the first game. And a lot of people thought I was just doing it for effect, but I had a broken foot. And um, um, at half-time, I came in, my foot was in a bucket of ice, elevated, and um, and then we went out um, in the second half. I just said, oh, I don't know how much longer I can run because I could feel the fluid pumping into the foot and it was stiffening up. And then, lo and behold, um, Pete Conning, uh, another great player, another you know, war horse in the midfield, he, he slipped this pass through to me on my left foot, which was the foot that was broken, and I struck this ball um, into the goal and I, it looked like I didn't want to celebrate with anybody but I actually didn't want anyone to stand on my foot so I was trying to keep away from them all so um, it was a, it was a masterpiece by Brian Hall um, it really epitomised I, w- I don't think any other manager would have even taken a chance on me on that basis and it really just epitomised the team spirit because all the guys you know afterwards you know um, they were just tremendous you know it was a tremendous day it was a uh, and it was, you know, for me, made it even more special because it was the uh, first goal at the, the, the new ground. Well, I mean, did it hurt when you hit it? Uh, no. Not, when, when you scored a goal, nothing hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. When you scored a goal, nothing hurts. More music now. This time we've got the best things from Luther Vandross. Hey, 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 hey,
that jazz Funny only fun what you never had A lot of bone structure, I can make it last I'm in it to win it, RD fill the path Material, Imperials keep the info You know, I know, it's not about the dough So baby, baby, if you wanna be my lady I'll forgive the riches and the other issues More money, more money, Javin Lewis, here we go More money, more money, lose the chatter, here we go More money, more money, 54, here we go Rev T, speak, the best things in life are for free Free To be your lover Cause I understand The best things in life are free Now that I've discovered What you mean to me The best things in life are free We've got each other The best things in life are free The best things in life are free Now that I've discovered What you mean to me well, that was The Best Things by Mr. Luther Bandross. Now, going back to this Arsenal game, um, you were playing against the scene, David Seaman, Ian, <coughs> excuse me, Ian Wright, Adam, Tony Adams. Sorry about that. Um, you know, what are your memories of that game? I mean, I know you, you scored what you thought was a perfectly good goal, which would have brought the score back to 3-2. Um, what could you remember about that? Well, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a fantastic day. I tell you what, I do remember about it was more the build up. We'd actually um, beaten Hereford before Christmas, and we had the two week build up because um, it was on the the second of uh, January, um, and it got so fever pitching in the Yeovil. And this is one of the reasons why I loved my time at Yeovil is that it got so fever pitch every time I got out of the car um, over that Christmas. I had to go back to the car and go home or go somewhere else to go and shop because I was getting so many, you know, well wishes and good luck. And mm. it was, the atmosphere was fantastic. And we'd come through a little bit of a tough time. There was, you know, a couple of financial issues at the club, you know, um, with resettling into the, the new ground. And so I think everybody was just pooling together. Um, there'd been some great fundraising in that, in that season just to keep the, the club afloat. You know, it was all hands on deck. It was a, a fantastic um, spirit in Yeovil. And I was really just, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I used to often say to people, if you don't make it in professional football, make Yeovil your next stop. But obviously that's changed now because they're a professional football in the outfit. But it was fantastic um, spirit. The game itself just went by too quickly. Um, and it was a great atmosphere. I had to work the hardest I'd ever worked. Tony Adams was absolutely. I thought he was. I, I thought he was a foot taller than I thought he was, and um, two foot wider. I had to run really hard. And Ian Wright was class. The whole Arsenal team were were fantastic. And you know we did a hundred percent. The on a personal note, the the goal that was disallowed was the first time in my playing history that my mother had come to watch me and I'd not scored. And that yeah. is from the age of 12. So I was personally just aggrieved there, but I've forgiven myself because it was against Arsenal. And, um, um, it, it, you know, everybody who was at the game, my family, my children, it was just a, a, a wonderful time for everybody. So um, and to score against a Premier League team um, as the underdogs was fantastic. I, I got the penalty and Batty took it because... You know, as a centre-forward, I never felt really comfortable taking penalties. I don't know why. I always feel mm. like 
you only take penalties when you're at your end of your, se- end of your career. And uh, he was far. He was a fantastic. He was a fantastic spot kick and free kick man. Um, the, the game though was at the old Hewish, wasn't it? Because I can remember going to this particular game because it, uh, wasn't it postponed initially because it snowed. Memory is that is that the no, same no, one? No, no, you're talking. You know, you're not talking about the uh, the Arsenal game. Was at the the new ground. It was a. It was ninety. Three. It was at the new ground. Well, there was definitely one at the old ground because I can remember queuing up to get the tickets. Yeah, we're talking QPR. No, no, definitely Arsenal. Well, not in my time. We only played Arsenal the once, and that was the the one. I'm sure it was though. I, I, I can. I'll have to look it up now. You've got me going. Well, I've only had one life, and I'm telling you, <laughs> that was it. Ian Wright. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, Anyway, let's move on a bit. Um, so, yeah, eventually, you know, you, you've you've hung up your boots and you've gone on to manage at Sherborne. Um, and that must have been a new experience for you on the other side of the, uh, uh, you know, the divide, so to speak, suddenly become a manager. Yeah, it wasn't the first place I went to. I went to Newbury with Guy Whittenham um, just to be his assistant. Uh, we had a fantastic time there. And then I came back um, and Sherborne, I just thought I'd get involved um, uh, locally. And it was great fun. Um, the guys were good. A great spirit there. You know, the the board was was um, great. And, and that's what, one of the other things I'd, I'd like to say about football. You know, everyone keeps talking about the players. You know, even at Yeovil, there were some fantastic board members. You know, um, uh, you know, um, Jerry Locke. He, he was the one who had the driving force to get the new stadium. You know, it'd be wrong to not mention him. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, Piero. There was lots of people who who were there. Um, um, Brian and Moore. He was he, him and his family. They they actually bled Greenbrod, and anybody who knows the Moore family would know that. You know, they were yeah. they were phenomenal. And you can't have these clubs without that sort of background and, and that and the backroom staff. And even you know, Gene Cotton in the, the secretary's room. There was so many people that don't actually get on the pitch that actually make sure that the players are having a, a you know um, a, a good time of it. So going into management, it was it was great to work with Sherborne Town because they had on a smaller scale equally a great um, committee and board, and I had a great time there. Um, um, and we broke um, club records just by setting things up. I had support from Yeovil at the time with Skibberton, who was manager, and he, he let us have a few of the youth players. And, you know, so I was able to use my influence just to maybe to get a few favours. But, it, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a great time. And, you know, Sherborne was the, the neighbours of, um, of Yeovil, so it, it seemed to make sense. Time for another track now. It's another one from Mr Michael Jackson, and this one is called Heal the World. And think if they can make it a better place. There's a place in your heart, and I know that it is love. And this place be much brighter than tomorrow. And if you really try, you'll find there's no need to cry. There's no hurt or sorrow There are ways to get there If you care enough for the living Make a little space Make a better place Heal the world
strong And only cares for joy for giving If we try, we shall see In this bliss we cannot feel There are dreams we stop existing and start living And it feels that always Love's enough for us growing Children, for me, for our children, for me, for our children.
Michael Jackson, Heal the World. And then you went to uh, Maiden Newton as a, a village side and, and won the Dorset Cup, was it? Um, yeah, that was before Sherborne. So I actually I managed the, the under-12s to the under-14s. And um, that was really, a for me, is probably the most satisfying thing I've done in football outside of playing because I turned up to a team that had conceded something like 160 goals in a season and scored only 20 to, to convert them into um, a team that only conceded 20 in a season and um, scored something like a, over 100. And uh, it was the first time that a village team had won a Dorset League uh, title. And uh, whilst I'd like to take all the credit myself, it wasn't the case. I had great staff, um, you know, um, you know um, helping, helping out uh, Michael... His name was Michael Nobbs, he was the manager, and he did all the administration because I didn't like that. I just did the training, selecting the team and the tactics, and, you know, we just, the parents were 100% behind us, and the, it was a three-year journey that I couldn't believe it, you know, because the, the, the players, even the 12-year-olds, some of the parents used to ring me up and say, you know, that, that you, you know my son was crying because they lost or you took him off. And I'd tell him how happy I am that he was crying because that shows how much it meant to him. And I said, so I'd be worried if he wasn't upset. And so they understood that, you know, we had to, we had to be passionately involved. And so it was great. It was um, due to work and, and everything else. I had to resign after that. And, um, and they, they continued. Um, but I, I, I had many years later, I had those 13, 14-year-old boys coming up to me as grown men saying um, thank you. Um, in fact, there's one player, Alex Fell, who I know who's created, he's gone into football himself, and he's, he's built his teams on those same principles. So in terms of paying it forward, just to hear about Alex Fell and, the, and a few other guys who have carried on with their football and their sports, you know, um, makes it all seem worthwhile. That's time for Mickey's last record, and this one is called Always Be My Baby, and it's by Mariah Carey.
career as a whole um, as we said uh, one of the only uh, six people that have scored 100 goals for Yeovil Town for a starter 278 odd appearances uh, you know what stands out what what really jumps out to the fore uh, of, of memories for the, that period of time um, well it's a few first I think um, uh, the first game at the Oval uh, at, the, at the ground the last game at the Oval Old Ground um, my first home game um, when I scored against um, um, either Maidstone or Maidenhead, um, the, the crowd were unbelievable. I mean, I just didn't know there was such passion in non-league football. Mm. Um, but having said that, mainly a lot of the things, what you don't see on the pitches, in the changing room, some great players, great camaraderie. Uh, Paul Wilson, um, another guy who never got enough credit. He, he was unfortunate with a lot of injuries when he joined Jovo, but he was a he was such a, a trooper, you know, somebody you would you'd go to battle with. Um, and then obviously my experiences like with Guy Whittingham and, and other players like that. Um, what helped tremendously for me was the the discipline that I respected that I learned in the armed forces, being in the army team and the combined services team. You know, they they weren't into uh, egos or pride. You just had to do your job, and that was probably you know why 
Brian Hall was a good fit for me because he was very much a disciplinarian. He he liked to have systems, and he you know he would let the system take the strain, and you just had to play your role within that team um, to make it successful. So uh, there were so many things. Um, um, the supporters, probably the yoga supporters. Um, I've got to say, I always took my hat off to because when we'd go up to places like Gateshead yeah. and you'd see them at the top of the stand screaming and shouting, you know, we could not, it was disbelieving and we just could only admire them. We used to laugh, but not laugh at them, just think, wow, you know, these people would follow us to the end of the earth. And that was always appreciated. The away supporters at Yeovil Town, for me, actually made me a little bit more motivated to, to do better, prepare better the night before, and most certainly um, say thank you after the games, you know, regardless. And what I loved about the away supporters, it didn't matter whether we won or lose or draw, they, they would always, always be there and we'd always get them a drink. And it was just a great, you know, team effort from everybody. So we loved having them there. Um, the, and that Yeovil Town, when Yeovil Town was packed, it wasn't a better place to be. You know, um, mm. my best, my best memories were the Derby games against Bath. I just used to get so hyped up, you know, um, about those. You know, we just wanted to to win, and you could feel it in the air when you were you were arriving at the ground. It was just a, a fever pitch. Um, um, from and you know, Yeovil as a whole. It was a great experience, and that's why I lived there for so long. You know, the the fans. It was more than football to them. I befriended lots of them. You know, we used to have loads of chats, and it was it was always it always made me smile that, that you'd get somebody coming up to you, no matter whether I was playing there or not playing there, coming up and and just saying, "Do you remember that game? Do you remember this?" It was it was great. Yeah, so um, yeah. um, it's a great history at Yeovil. I'm, I'm I was very proud to be part of it. Oh, I'm sure you were very pleased to have had you. Um, but now, of course, you, you, um, you, you, you've left England and you're resident in Geneva. Um, what, you know, what brought that about? Are you enjoying life over there? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, I've just finished the ski season, as I said, and um, uh, it, it came about really by natural forces. I mean, I was financial advisor in the UK. They'd become very prescriptive. You know, have, you, you couldn't do anything without them wanting to know the size of the shoe, you know, you, you, what size shoes you wore. And so coming to the international community is even, they respect that people are, have the intelligence to make their own choices. And so we're able to help people a lot more than what I was able to do in the UK. And, um, you know, after the 2008 crash and the FCA brought in more rules and regulation, dumbing everything down, and it made it even harder and more restrictive for people to, to even um, to be entrepreneurial with their own financial planning. And so after a while, I've become exhausted by all the red tape and just decided to try my hand here, and it's, been, it's worked out to be a fantastic experience. You know, you know we have... We have lots of um, options and financial options that are, are open to the the international community, even those in Britain that are not available to those in Britain. You know, so you know, um, so they can save. And obviously, with this health crisis that we've got now with COVID nineteen, it's an ideal time for, for for people to be considering what to do next with their, their uh, funds. But you are limited with what you can do in the UK. You're not limited. You you know you have a lot more flexibility in, in yeah. choosing your own strategy. So it's 
it's great. Um, it's great in the summer. It's in the hub of Europe. I travel everywhere. I've been to Italy, Spain, Barcelona. You know, living the dream more or less. But um, I still keep a finger on the pulse about what's going on at Yeovil. Well, good for you, Mickey. Good for you. And uh, you know, I think you will always be a hero at Yeovil Town. You know, you, your name is synonymous with success at Yeovil, and and you know, I don't think anyone will ever forget you over there. So uh, that's a, that's a nice sort of uh, way to end, really. So thank you very, very, very much for joining us from Switzerland. Um, I know you're a busy man over there, and um, I'll let you know when it's going to be broadcast, so you can tune in if you wish to. And um, yeah. I shall, in the meantime, go and look up this Arsenal game because I know there's been two of them, and I've just got to prove to you. I was right but wrong time so um, that's great mate so thank you very very much for joining us and uh, I've no doubt we'll speak again soon well that was former Yeovil Town striker Mickey Spencer talking to us there from uh, Geneva in Switzerland the heart is a blue It's a beautiful day.